0: Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting his word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Hallelujah! Can we just take 30 seconds? You don't need the music to help you. You don't need anything to help you, but you and I need to give an appreciation to Jesus for all that he has done. Take 30 seconds and praise the Lord. Online, take 30 seconds in your home and praise the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Close everybody else out and just thank him. He's risen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Glory to God. You may be seated. I want to thank you all for being brave and actually coming to worship, I want to thank you who are online for being responsible and and following the leading of the Holy Spirit for you and your family. I want to thank all of our pastors and leaders and, and ministers uh, for being here. I have to thank this worship team and production team for, for doing a fantastic job. Um, I want to uh, thank my mother for being here. This is her, she was at Good Friday service and she's here today. She's 70 years old during COVID, I'm grateful. My mom is here today. I'm grateful for uh, my wife of 25 years this year. Thank you, you look lovely and beautiful. Thank you so much uh, for all you do. As we get into the word of God, we'll be spending time in John uh, chapter 20, uh, starting at verse 11. You know, you know. as we get here today, our world is still in a, a a panic, terrible state. You know, even though we are worshiping here today just one year ago, we were not able to do uh, Easter service, Resurrection Sunday together in person at all, even have this option. It seems like over the last year, we've just been robbed of more and more freedoms, um, some by necessity, some by just because of the conditions uh, of the world, but it's 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 it's, it's overwhelming and it's and it's overbearing. It's like COVID nineteen, though the world is improving, still exists, and it robbed us of one thing. And it's a robber. It's a thief. It's a disease. It's a virus. It's demonic. Um, because anything that still kills and destroys is demonic. And Yet, as painful as it is, the pain is far-reaching all over the world. You have the poor that have gotten poor, business owners that have lost their business, and and as you hear me talk, you can only think that that is just depression, depressing. Um, you know, some of the things we don't think about as we have to uh, close down, shut down, distance, and you know, and and all of that type of stuff. We 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 don't think about our need for for spiritual enrichment, you know, one of the greatest mistakes uh, maybe we've made during this process is to uh, undervalue um, uh, the essential nature of the church and the need for fellowship, of which I am am regretful as we learn from this. We learn how essential it is. Why? Because you have things like fear is up at an all-time high. Anxiety is up. You know, domestic violence is up, um, pornography use is up and everything that, that brings worry and, and stress is just up. And it doesn't seem to be going down. And even though you may not have one of the particular problems I brought up. You are affected by a world that has these problems yes, that's right. and. And maybe yours wasn't named, but I have one that didn't make the list that is the problem we all have. We're all facing it. The scripture says it this way. uh, It's appointed for a man to die once. And after this, the judgment. You have a problem. We have a problem. The world has a problem and its name is death. No matter how rich you are, you've got to deal with death. No matter how educated you are, you've got to deal with death. You can be a great leader, you've got to deal with death. You can have the money to get every elixir that can tighten your skin, sharpen your brain, and cause you to live just a little bit longer, but you're still going to have to deal with death. Yes, that's true. You just look good as you die. <laughs> We're not mad at you. You have the ability to do it. Don't let somebody make you feel bad about it, but death. It's still looming. Every day, every hour, every second and minute, death is counting. Death is a number and it's real. Just in the first quarter of the year in the world, this many people have left the planet and gone on into eternity. Now, I hope they've gone into an eternity to go see Jesus, but I don't know. Because if you leave this planet without the answer to death, you're in trouble. What are you going to do about it is my question today. What are you going to do about it? Because you have a problem. Fear is paralyzing our world. Do you know that our, the nuclear arsenals around the world are still in the midst of a pandemic and all is still growing? Fear, anxiety, and worry are still here. What are you going to do about it? We have a problem. Our biggest problem is that The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is a problem. But the question is, what are you going to do about it? Maybe you're like me when I thought I was born again. I thought I have a death problem, but I've got a good negotiation skill. When I get before God one day, I'll say I wasn't as bad as that guy. I didn't do what Hitler did. I, I, I certainly didn't hurt anybody. I, I think I was a pretty good person, and I would tell God what he ought to do with my problem. See, as we look at the text today, we'll see that they seemingly had the answer to the problem answered, but something went wrong. They had the answer to fear. They had the answer to sin. They had the answer to death. And something went wrong. You remember when they were rehearsing the story in the little play in the production? They didn't show you Jesus uh, hanging out with his disciple, doing the Passover meal, uh, doing the, the, the communion and saying one of my very closest friends are going to betray me. We think in the world the, the, the greatest sin that can happen is uh, adultery in, in marriage. But in the Jewish culture, the greatest sin that can happen was betrayal. And so it goes go there and, 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 then all of a sudden he tells Judas to go do what he's got to do quickly. He ends up in the garden with all of his disciples around him and say, guys, I've got a lot of things on me that's so heavy that he was praying and he was sweating blood. He said, just watch and pray with me for an hour. And every time he came back, they were asleep. It's a frustrating thing when your friend betrays you and all your other friends can't hang with you in your hour of trouble. Have you ever had some friends that said they were going to be with you and then they let you down? Come on, can I talk? I'm not talking to anybody. Told you they were going to loan you money and you needed to loan and they didn't show up. Mm hmm. Somebody just got mad. Let it go. Let it go right now. Let it go. <laughs> and, and, and then after that, when they came to arrest him, his disciple, especially his best friend, Peter, had made the declaration that, Lord, I'll never leave you. And in fact, I will die with you. And as soon as they came to take Jesus, he was gone. Have you ever made a promise to God and didn't make good on it? Do you relate to the human condition, the brokenness that we all feel? And then after that, Jesus, sinless, accused of sin, whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails. This is something that strips the flesh off of you. The Bible says that in, in Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter. A sheep before a shears is dumb. Yet he opened not his mouth and he was crucified. And the Bible says that the sin of the whole world was laid upon him. I'm talking the past sin, the present sin, and all future sin was laid upon him. Can you imagine the weight of that? Can you just think of the weight of one of your sins, one of your little white lives, one of the things you can't get right, how it weighs on your conscience, but the weight of the whole world's sin problem was on Jesus? And he says these words that are pretty piercing. He says... Father, why have you forsaken me? Because one of the penalties of sin is disfellowship with the father, disconnection. It's the ultimate form of death. But yet there was no guile in him. There was no moment where he said, you know what? I'm going to die for like a few of y'all, but a lot of y'all just, like we say in my community, trifling. Y'all Y'all bad horrible. You know, just just ask for some supernatural strength just for a moment to rebuke you. No. All he did was have time to love a thief that was on the cross on one side of him and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And then he declared, it's finished. I've done it. No matter what I tell you today that might bring you low and you will go low for a moment. I don't want you to forget that he made a declaration that was finished because he did a work, but you've got to ask yourself the question, what are you going to do with the problem you have with death? He solved it, and he solved it for you, but what are you going to do with it? Now we come to the moment Jesus has been three days in the tomb, and and. And the scripture says in in John chapter 20, verse one, that Mary Magdalene got up early with some other women and she ran to the tomb and she discovered that the tomb was empty. She was so unnerved by the situation that she ran all the way back to the disciples. John, who laid on Jesus chest all the time, the disciple whom he loved and Peter. And she said, y'all, he's gone. They ran all the way back to the tomb and. John outran Peter. That's like me outrunning Pastor Jim to the tomb. But Pastor Jim had the nerve to get to the tomb like Peter did and go in. John only had the strength to look in. And what they saw there, this is, they saw the evidence that the tomb was empty. And that the grave clothes were still there. As they did the forensics. John made the revelation. I see what's happened. I see that he must be risen. I see that he must have completed his assignment. I see that he must have done what he said. And when he saw that what Jesus did was rise up from the dead, he said nothing, but he left and went home. He said nothing. I want you to hear that. He just said, I only believe. And he went home. Mary Magdalene, where we pick up the story, comes into our view. Verse 11. But Mary, after they went home, Mary, the person who told them the tomb was empty, Mary, in whom he cast out seven devils, Mary, the woman that he actually healed, Mary, who was there at the cross when everybody else was running, she was there just, just still worshiping him. Mary, who's bringing some spices to finish off the work of honoring him in his death, stood weeping outside of the tomb. She wept and then she stooped and looked in. I want you to understand that, that the disciples had to see her standing there crying. They had to see her there in distress. They had to walk past her with the news that they knew that something miraculous had happened, but they were so caught up in themselves and their own revelation of Jesus that they took that revelation to their home. When is the last time you've got a clear revelation of Jesus and just held it to yourself? Now someone is broken to the point of not being able to stop sobbing. This weeping is not a few tears coming down. This is when tears string down and you keep on having moanings and groanings and cryings and waves and up and down. And I don't understand. And that suffocating feeling where you can't breathe. This woman is going through. She's almost feeling like she's losing her mind. They didn't tell her what was going on in the tomb. So she looks in and the scripture says in verse 13, she saw two angels white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain and one at his head and one at his feet. She should have maybe recognized that that's like Exodus 35 when the cherubim were sitting one and in, in the, at the top and one in the bottom, the, this is the mercy. See, she should have recognized that God is trying to give her a revelation like he gave John a revelation, like he gave Peter a revelation. So that she can rejoice. But she's not catching the revelation, even with the, the, the angels there, because she's broken and she's lamenting. Have you ever cried at a funeral to the point that no one can console you? Have you ever been to that point where where your tears are so frequent and your moanings are so loud that you can't even comprehend what's going on around you? When George Floyd was murdered and I made the mistake of watching that video, I cried every time I thought about it for months and I couldn't stop it on our Unite prayer walks, we would just have moments of lamenting. That means it's a pain so deep that you can get in touch with it in a moment's notice. She cries. See, when you are in pain, you can get confused. When you are in pain, you can be disorientated. When you are in pain, you don't think right, talk right, act right, move right. Verse 14 says it this way no, no, no. In, in, in verse 13, and she said to her, said, they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have, She can't even recognize their angels. They have taken away my Lord. She maybe think it's the robber. She maybe think it's the soldier. She, she maybe thinks it's somebody, but somebody has taken his body because it's not here. She should have the revelation that she should be rejoicing because if he's not there, that means he's risen and he's alive. But she's saying he's not there because she's not looking for a risen savior. She's looking for a dead one. Maybe you and I have been looking for the wrong person for so long we can't find the right one. You're looking for somebody to just interact and make you maybe feel good that they exist. You're not looking for someone like Christ who can actually solve your problem. Remember, I told you you have a problem. What are you going to do about it? He said, they're taking away my Lord. Verse 13, verse 13. And I do not know where they have laid him. I'm not sure what's going on. I need to know. Verse 14. Having said this, she turned around. She saw Jesus standing. This word turn around means she, she was in the tomb looking and then she turned and all of a sudden she turned from angels she didn't recognize and she turned and there is Jesus and I know she didn't recognize him because the next part of the scripture says, and she turned around and saw, no, nope, verse 14. She she turned around and, and standing there, but Jesus did not, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Every time Jesus is ar- arisen in his resurrected body, there is, there is, uh, he appears, but he has to tell people, it's me. Maybe Jesus is closer to you than you can imagine. Maybe he's so close that if you just turn or what that word means is to lean in a little bit closer and just look, you will find out that Jesus is in the middle of your situation waiting for you to recognize him as the resurrection, the life and the truth. She, but see what's happening is she has forgotten. Who he is. What he's done. She's forgotten He's the great I am who has the answer to all of the world's problems. And why is she looking for the living among the dead? Did she not forget that he says, I am the resurrection and the life? In him was light and life. So often in church, we can become familiar with the things of God, the singing, the worship, and the prayer, and somehow be distant from God because it's just information and it's not a revelation that transforms our hearts. Verse 15. Jesus said to her, woman, now I want you to know he's not talking bad to her, not talking down to her. This is a term of respect. Remember, he called his mother. He said, woman. Hey, mama, woman. (laughs) I'm respecting her. Why are you weeping? She's. This is the fourth time she says she's weeping. She's undone. This is where our world is. It's undone. It's got a hopelessness to it. You look out. And you think there's an end to COVID and it doesn't happen. Maybe God is trying to send us a signal. He's preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemy. Maybe we're going to stand up to pestilence and stand up to disease. Maybe we're not to run away from it, but to to confront it with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the resurrection and the life. Um, whom are you seeking? It's like Jesus is saying, now I know you're looking for me, but you're missing me. This happens in prayer all the time. You're praying, God, won't you show up? God, won't you show up? God, we need you. God is right there all the time. Remember, he says, hello, I am with you always, even to the end. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. He's right here. Don't worry about it. He said, who, 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 who are you seeking? What version are you seeking? Are you seeking the man? Or are you seeking the man that was also God? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, sir, this is the same ter- term when she asked him, have you, do you know where they're taking my Lord? It's a, it's a term of master. It's the same exact word used in respect. Now, he, now he's a sir, so she's using the word Lord here. Sir and Lord are the same. If you've carried him away. Now look, think about how she's talking. She outdone. You know, people try to help you when you're in pain. You're in the hospital trying to get you under, give me some cold water, not hot. You know, you just get mad at them. Have you carried him away? Tell me where you laid them. Yes, you. You're here. He's not. You're the problem. You see, when we don't find Jesus, we start, we continue to meditate on the problem and we start speaking with the voice of accusation, which is demonic. Now, I know why it's going wrong. It's those people in Asia. It's this group. It's that group. No. The accuser wants you to point to somebody. Have you carried him away? Where have you laid him? Tell me and I will take him away. Because when you can't find God and when you can't Get what you want from accusing someone. You try to tell yourself, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to solve it myself because I've got a problem in sin. I've got a problem in death. I've got a problem is fear. I'm going to solve it myself. Cannot. Think about her state of mind and her condition. And then verse 16 happened. Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus said to her in Hebrew, Miriam. Jesus calls her name. He doesn't call just anybody's name. He specifically calls her name. Her eyes were not able to see. Her brain was not able to conceive, but she heard her name. We sing the song all the time. He knows my name. I want you to know that he knows your name and this is reminiscent of the message that Pastor Carol preached when he says, I am the shepherd and the shepherd knows his sheep by name. He calls them by name. He knows according to Psalms 139, when you get up, he knows when you sit down. He knows your thoughts from afar off. He's acquainted with all your griefs and all of your sorrows. He knows you. And I feel like when he calls Mary's name, oh it's like calling Lazarus' name out of the grave. It's calling her out of her confusion. It's calling her out of her entanglement. It's calling her out of her grave clothes. It's calling her out of her bondage. It's calling her out on having her own answers because he is the answer. Mary! She turned and said to him in Arabic, May, May, Rabboni, you got to see how she did this. She said, she heard her name and she said, my teacher, you didn't forget me. See, if we forget him like she did, he won't forget us. He wasn't, he wasn't talking about who he was at this point. He, think about this. Jesus is not proclaiming to him who he was, who he is. He's proclaiming to her who he is, who she is to him. Mary, my teacher. You messing me up because now I'm moving from a lack of recognition to a recognition Now it's starting to flood into me all the things you've always been. I'm thinking about the I am because I'm messed up and you you are right now what I need. I needed some intimacy. I needed some tenderness. I needed some gentleness. I needed somebody to slow down while I'm in my grief and reach me where I'm at. Your disciples couldn't do it. Nobody can do it. And if somebody fails you, if society fails you, I want you to know that Jesus Christ will not. He tenderly comes and he ministered her. You know what, Mary, if you forgive me, I won't forget you. If you start being faithless, I'll remain faithful. I'm here. Jesus said to her, don't cling to me. For I've not yet ascended to my father, but go tell my brothers and and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. So Mary has obviously jumped down there and grabbed Jesus and started worshiping him. And Jesus is trying to give her a revelation. Mary, you're clinging to the past. You're clinging to who I was. You're clinging to the man, Jesus, but the man is also God and, and I have so much more to give you. You just wanted me physically with you, but now I'm going to be in you, a well of water springing up into eternal life. Now I'm going to be a part of you and you're going to be a part of my father and all of us are going to be family. Remember, I want you to go tell my brothers that my God is their God. I want you to tell them that that my Lord is their Lord. What is he trying to say? You're not just my friends. You're not just my servants. You're my family. And I said in John 17, Lord, make them one as we are one. I want to answer their situation. They've got a situation with sin that gives them a promise of death. I want to deal with it. Remember, I asked you, what are you going to do? Maybe you've been trying to do so much, you've done nothing to solve your death problem. Maybe you've done nothing to solve your sin problem. But he is proclaiming to Mary, I've done everything. You thought you lost the answers to death, but I'm here as life. You thought you lost the answers to sickness, but I'm here as the health you need by my stripes. You thought you lost all hope in the world, but I'm the definition of hope. Because if in this world only you have hope, you're above men all miserable. Finally, in verse 18. I love verse 18. It says, and Mary went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. I love that Mary shows up and does the work that the men should have done. I love that Mary, who wasn't a credible witness in Jewish culture because she didn't have the respect to even go into court and give testimony that would be lawful and legal and recognized. But now she has the message from the Messiah. The first person he appears to is a woman named Mary. The first person he gives the assignment to carry the gospel to is a woman named Mary. And she shows up and she says, I've seen him. It's real. He's real to me. I've got it. I've got it. And when you've got it, you've got to go give it. She's saying it's almost like she's correcting them just a little bit. When y'all got it, y'all left me out. It's easy to leave people out when you're, you're you've you been serving God for a long time. Easy to leave people out. Oh, they know. Somebody will tell them the gospel. Somebody will tell them what's going on you got hurting people around you, weeping people around you, confused people around you. And Jesus wants you, when you get it, to give it. When you get it, give it. When you get the good news, give the good news. So I want to announce something to you. This resurrection is real. It has provided you with some great benefits. The benefit is he is resurrected means that he has been declared the son of the living God. If he is resurrected, that means you have a chance to be resurrected. If he is resurrected, which he is, then he ever lives to make intercession for you. That means his ministry to your life is going on and on and on every day. But the biggest thing is you, if you listen to this, don't have to solve your problem with death. Remember, I asked you, what are you going to do? Because death is looming. You've got to deal with it. First Corinthians 15, and we'll conclude here. You can stand to your feet as I'm concluding. I tell you the truth, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does perishable inherit imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in a twinkling of the eye. For the trump will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the same written death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But I thank God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that it's the Lord. Your labor is not in vain. You didn't worship in vain today. You didn't praise in vain today. You're not living for him in vain. You're not searching for him in vain. Pastor Bryson told you. He showed you a card. I want you to, everybody, it's a card in front of you. If you pick it up and hold it in your hand, please. If you would want to have an altar moment, this is it. If you came today to do business with Jesus, even online, if you came to do business with Jesus, this is the moment where you're coming to a decision. This is the moment that we prayed and fasted for, for you for months. This is the moment that can take you completely out of darkness and into his marvelous light. One part of this card says, start a relationship with Jesus. I want you to hold it. Everybody hold the card. Everybody get a card. Whether you know Jesus or not, just get a card, look at it. It says, I would like to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's you. You should check that box. Rededicate my life to Jesus because I'm not really taking advantage of the benefits. Get more information on a relationship with Jesus. You can also put this on your phone with a QR code. I want you to turn it to the back. Water baptism. One of the the proofs that you accept the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is that you get water baptized. It's an outward demonstration of an inward change. It is the proof that you have moved from darkness to life. It is a public display of your affection and your love and your obedience to Jesus Christ. And I know for a fact that many of you watching online and in here, you need to settle the issue with water baptism. And I know if you've been sprinkled as a baby, I don't want to say that it was insignificant, but I want to say that you need to be submerged. You need to be buried with him in baptism and raised to newness of life. And this is a decision that the Lord wanted us to present to you today. And he is speaking to some of your hearts right now that you need to settle the issue of baptism. We'll baptize you in the next several weeks, but you need to check that box. I need to be baptized. I need more information about baptism. For many of you, a step in help following Jesus, the step of following Jesus is one we can help you with. Let us. For others of you, baptism is your real beginning point. Oh, if you do it, it's something... God's spirit comes and just fills you and gives you a great revelation. I'm going to pray for those two groups of people before we dismiss. Them. And I have one last group, the third group of people on the pray pool. I want to pray for anybody who's a believer who wants to repent for failing to preach the good news like Peter and John did, who want to repent and follow the example of Mary Magdalene, a woman whom God, who loved Jesus. And she took the good news to his disciples. The sad, the sad thing about her taking the good news to the disciples, they still didn't believe her, the scripture said. Maybe you hear after all of the singing and the, and the program and the preaching, you still don't know if you believe. I say that is a mistake. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man lets me, I'll come and sit with him said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. So our last group I want to pray for is for those who want to recommit to actually saying yes to going with the Lord. Bow your head. Close your eyes. I want no one looking but me. I just want to talk to the first group. If you need help following Jesus, rededication, information, or following him for the first time, no one's looking around but me. And I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to raise your hand fast and put it down so I can see it. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Seen those hands. Thank you. If you have not obeyed Jesus yet and been baptized with nobody looking around but me, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if you are saying yes as a believer, to preaching the good news about Jesus way more often Then raise your hand so I can pray for you. Lord, I pray for everyone with their hand raised that you would help us to be witnesses, to be people who preach about you, who tell the good news. There's an answer to death. There's an answer to sin. There's an answer to fear. God, we receive your answer. God bless each and every one of them to do it. And now let's pray this prayer together for those who need to accept the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, to the rest of my life. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I need you, a savior. I believe you live for me. You die for me and God raised you from the dead. And with that confession from my mouth and that belief in my heart, I declare that Jesus is Lord of my life, and I'll serve him with my whole heart for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, give God praise and glory.